Naturally made, naturally delicious. Let's get biblical. God, the omnipotent ruler of heaven and earth, breathed into dirt the breath of life. Here's Bruce the Theologian on the Elijah Har Show. Welcome back to KWTO. As a reminder, we're going to have school board members uh, Steve McCoskey on at 5.05. Board meets tonight at 5.30. Expect some fireworks out of that board meeting, so we'll be back with that. But joining us now, Bruce the Theologian. Just a few weeks ago, we had him on to talk about Vody Bachman's book, Fault Lines. We're having him back today to talk about a new book or a new-ish book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And it's an interesting one because, Bruce, you you sort of touched on this a little bit in the Vody Bachman book about this idea of, is it expressive individualism? Yep, expressive individualism. That's something that Carl Truman deals pretty extensively in his, uh, in his book, uh, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. What is it and why should we care about it? Um, primarily, um, expressive individualism is that your identity um, is found within as opposed to your identity is found from your the exterior of your life being that people used to identify this is where I go to church or this is what I do for a living or this is where I went to school. Now people choose to identify internally as opposed to their exterior environment. What's an example of expressive individual? Um, probably the best one would be Bruce Jenner. Ah. So, so Bruce Jenner said, you know, I feel I'm a woman inside. Um, despite several Olympic medals saying the opposite. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, and I'm going to now express myself as a woman. And um, yeah, he can. So do that what's now. really interesting, and we we missed this a little bit the last time we discussed this, but expressive individualism has seemed to be seeping into modern theology. You've got a lot of I hate the term woke; it's it's overused. But you've got a lot of churches now that, as you would say are shaped and shifted by the world as opposed to trying to shape and shift the world, and they're inviting this expressive individualism into their four walls, and they're preaching about it, and they're making it a part of their their theological ceremony. Yeah, let me, let me I'm, you've just reminded me of a line that's in the book, and I've just pulled it up. It's on page 389. It says, at a very practical level, the way Protestantism has often failed to reflect the historical concerns of the church in its liturgy and practice most obviously in the megachurch movement and the manner in which it is frequently adopted the aesthetics of the present moment in its worship is arguably a sign of the penetration of the anti-culture into the sanctuary of historic Christianity. Christians today are not opponents of the anti-culture. Too often they are a symptom of it. They're a symptom of it. Yep. That's super interesting. Yeah. And it's it's fascinating because I think, uh, so we a lot of times we talk about Jay's over here locally. And James River, the biggest example of a big evangelical church. Uh But ironically, most of the criticisms from the culture of James River outside of the church is that they're too conservative. They got very involved with the fight over Soji in the city council 10 years ago. They're perceived as a very conservative church. In other communities, the largest evangelical churches are the opposite. They've taken this expressive individualism and said, hey, 
if you believe you're something, then God is telling you that belief and, and you should follow it, which is not at all biblical. And then that's a lot of where this, this concern lies. Right. Um, and, and that's the, the interesting, I mean, we, we, we briefly touched on Andy Stanley. We won't get into all the, the depths of that, but Andy Stanley is an individual, a pastor, very famous uh, father, uh, Charles Stanley, who recently passed away. Um, that has, has gone in what we'll call a woke direction with regards to uh, n- non-traditional uh, teachings in his church on, on homosexuality. Um, so he's certainly one that's, that's, that's jumped on this bandwagon um, of, um, you know, ex- accepting, be concerned about the inner you as opposed to the standards that society sets that, that sculpts an individual. And that's what Truman gets into his book is that there was a day and age, I mean, where your identity was found in your the village you lived in the job you did the family you had now it's it, yeah it's once a person's economic needs are met that gives them a chance to drift in their mind this is the old principle the, the the pyramid where it's like your base needs are your right. food and shelter and as you move up the pyramids they became self-actualization and things right. like that and and and, and truman gets deep into the, the works of uh, karl marx and freud that that says once your you know your basic um uh, economic needs are met now the next need you have to be met to to form, form your identity is sexual fulfillment so and any any time society, at least in the in the case of both Marx and uh, Freud, any time society places any restrictions on your sexual fulfillment, that is uh, oppressive and limits who you are as a person. So obviously, I knew that Freud said that. I didn't realize Marx cared about that issue, the sexual fulfillment as a part of of his hierarchy. Yep, it was a very it was a t- pretty pretty top of his list uh, as far as it being important. That's so okay. So a few weeks ago, uh there was a play down in Branson. It was only there for a few weeks. It was Pilgrim's Progress. It was a musical version oh, really? of the story. And I took my kids and it was it was such a good play. Mm-hmm. And I haven't read the book in years and I'd forgotten how how the book is timeless, but there's a super interesting scene in the second half where they go to Vanity Fair. And mm-hmm. Vanity Fair essentially is this all the worldly, it's it's the makeup and the music mm-hmm. and the outfits and it's it's to distract you. And it's fascinating because my kids have talked about that scene so many times. It's like, well, it was really fun to watch. I was like, yes, that is how evil comes in. Never evil doesn't come in saying I'm evil. Evil right. comes in dressed up and looking cool and sounding cool. And it was fascinating because when you think about the idea of Karl Marx and socialism and, and all of the ways they wanted to take over the world, it's fascinating that sexual fulfillment is always on the forefront of how they want to take over the governments and the peoples. Mm-hmm. It is. And, and, and the, the, what expressive individualism is, saying, individualism is saying is that my sexual expression is, is extremely important. I, I identify as a trans physician or a trans this it, it it's mentioned prior to what you what anything else as opposed to the person says you know i'm an american citizen or i'm british citizen, i'm a gay british citizen it's 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 front and center in a person's identity and that didn't that didn't exist before a a a true bible believing christian a theolo- theologically sound believer who and it doesn't matter what church they go to where do they find their where do they find their individualism from I mean, primarily, if you're a redeemed, um, you're a redeemed Christian, uh, a born again Christian, you are, um, you you find your identity in Christ, um, and in nothing else. Everything is everything is secondary to that for the Christian. So churches that espouse this modern self-expressive individualism, 
How do they rationalize that with their theology? I'm not sure. I think primarily you can you can go down this road of, of kind of what we'll call woke Christianity or expressive individualism once you get rid of the Bible as the 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 authority. So once you can cast doubt on the Bible, the Bible being the Word of God, then you 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 can do anything you want at that point because you could just say that the Bible is a guide for life. Uh, that Jesus was a real person, but Jesus was a uh, an example of how we should live, as opposed to, you know, um, dying for your sins, uh, which is a very different it manifests itself in a very different form of Christianity. So, somebody like an Andy Stanley, they don't believe that the Bible is the inerrant Word of God. I'm not sure. I, I'd, I'm not familiar with with Stanley's beliefs as far as uh, inerrancy is concerned. Um, he he's pretty wishy washy on on biblical interpretation, and and with that, the the wishier washier you get, <laughs> the, the 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 broader you, uh, the, the broader you can be in your interpretation. And he has a very very broad uh, broad interpretation of the scriptures. It's fascinating. People that uh, interpret the Bible very similar to how people interpret the Constitution. There's there's a lot of bodies of thought when it comes to constitution interpretation there's textualists you just read the text and you understand there's originalists you read the text and you have to understand in the original words it was written in and then you've got your you know free-flowing modern-day liberals are like well the constitution is more of an ideal and Mm -hmm. the words can be perceived a lot of different ways it's very similar to how people read the bible and not just the bible but also the the Greek or the Latin or Aramaic or whatever language that particular scroll was written in. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about someone like an originalist, so you have an, an Antonin Scalia would be kind of the classic example of an originalist, and then you have a uh, now deceased Ginsburg, who was uh, what would the term be for a Ginsburg? She was a she would believe that the the the, um, the, the Constitution is a dynamic do- yeah. document. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, in biblical interpretation, you have to first understand that the context in which the scripture was written, and then also the the literary genre in which it's written. So there are different forms of genre in the Bible. Um, there's historical narrative and and, and other things. But um, you, once you understand the the context uh, in which it was written, then you can you can pursue the interpretation from the original languages from there. As opposed to the living document that the People like Ginsburg, may, right? May living, expect. that's it. Living, yeah, a living constitution. They don't have a term for them. Maybe livingist. I don't know what the, right. the term is, but it's fascinating. And there's a couple examples of churches that I would say take that living document interpretation of scripture. I, we're not going to say them today, um, but I might invite them on the show sometime just to have a conversation about it. But they would view the Bible and portions of the Bible as quote unquote out of date or, well, that was for then, but that doesn't apply to now. And so they interpret the biblical principles very differently than I would say the, 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 the lion's share of the church would. Right. That's interesting. I I not thought about it in that, in that way. Um, but yeah, there, there are churches out there that would, that call themselves the church that would, would be outside of Christian orthodoxy. One that maybe we'll do a show on the, um, the, the famous book that's now just passed its 100-year anniversary called uh, Christianity and Liberalism uh, by J. Gresham Machen. A hundred uh, years hundred years. He wrote a book called Christianity and Liberalism. Um, and he, he, he was a, a, a well-known, um, he, he was at Princeton Seminary, eventually founded Westminster Seminary. Um, but, and he was, a, politically speaking, he was a libertarian, but he basically said that liberal Christianity is not Christianity when you, when you get down to the nuts and bolts of it. Um, and has a very very famous book that's an excellent read. It really it's a it's a superb read for even for a person who is not necessarily Christian, but is if a person's trying to understand the 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 schism that happened in 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 Christianity in the early twentieth century, it very much explains explains that. 
Yeah, it's interesting because we see that schism continue today. And uh, you and I were talking off off air about uh, the Methodists. They've had a, a pretty significant national split mm-hmm. over more conservative interpretation of Scripture and a more liberal. Mm-hmm. But they're not the only denomination that's gone through that. No, the Episcopalians have done that several years ago. Um, there's, there's pockets of the Baptist world that have done that. Um, the Catholic Church, I mean, uh, recently, this was in the news, I think, last week, there's a, a Catholic uh, a bishop, I believe, here in the United States that the Pope fired in the last week over um, the view, his own, uh, the, the bishop here in the United States, his views on um, LGBTQ issues and affirmations. And this is not what I would call a conservative Pope either. No, no. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, the, I know an American bishop was fired this past week, if I remember that correctly. Um, I forget which diocese, but I think, I think I'm in Texas for them. But anyway. Um, See, one yeah. of these days, and I've never, I've got friends that are Catholic, but I've never really studied Catholicism. I need to learn the hierarchy of the biblical. I don't know the difference between bishops and priests, and you know, I don't know how they all rank in the system. Okay, well, well maybe we should have our uh, our local, a local bishop Rice on sometime. Oh, that'd be he, he's good. He's the bishop of uh, Springfield, Cape Girardeau. Yeah, uh, maybe he could come on and that and would be fast. To me, the 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 Catholic Church and the military. I I never know if colonels or sergeants are high. Well, I don't know the order, mm-hmm. but I find the the the, the fairly. distinct ranks very interesting um okay so all of the churches or a lot of these churches gone through it even the southern baptist they've been in a big debate about uh, some of these issues recently well women in ministry we took the i think it was the first show which is like the first step into and whether or not you agree that women should speak at church or not speak at church is sort of an opening salvo in this this conversation of how liberal you allow the church to be yeah whichever side you take yeah i think truman someone like truman who at truman's a a very conservative um uh, member of the orthodox presbyterian church um he's an i believe he's an elder in the orthodox presbyterian church um but he would say it's a slippery slope once you once you start to try and um relativize or try and tweak an understanding of Scripture that allows certain things in, it's a slippery slope, then what are you not going to let in? Because you can always go to the next passage and say, well, that doesn't mean that, it means this. Uh, though historically for the past you know, 2,000 years it's meant this, but now we, we think it means this. So the, there's concern in how, um, um, how broadly uh, someone like an Andy Stanley would, would read the Bible um, and, and therefore interpret it and then, and then project that to his congregation. We as Christians in the 21st century, when we encounter this expressive individualism in a church setting what's the proper role for uh, what we would consider a theologically sound christian how would we approach this and say here's our concerns what's the proper role for us well you've got to, you've got to go back to the bible and and and, and contrast the the, the the conversations you have with people or the the um if these people are involved in kind of a form of expressive individualism you have to contrast is this is this biblical um and the, the the more conservative or the more um, um, orthodox perspective you have on the scriptures, it's probably going to count against this pretty substantially. Um, I mean, I think one thing that needs to be understood about expressive individualism is, it, let's say you went to the doctor 100 years ago and you said, I'm a man, uh, but I'm trapped uh, in the body of a woman, or I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man, but I feel like a woman inside, okay? A hundred years ago, and this is an example that Truman uses, the physician would have said, okay, well, we need to refer you to the psychology department um, or psychiatry department, and we need to work on your mind because your mind is in conflict with your body. Now in the modern era, 
because of technology, the doctor will say, we need to bring your body in line with your mind. Um, and that's that's where we get into the issue of transgenderism and, and you know the sterilization of children and you get into this, it gets very strange and, and Truman's kind of on a on a on a quest to um, to speak out about this in regards to um, uh, what they call you know gender affirming care for children and he thinks eventually it will all backfire that um, that the kids in in years to come are going to end up suing the physicians. Well, if you look at over in Europe, them. which is ten to twenty years ahead of us in some mm-hmm. of these things. They legalized a lot of this care mm-hmm. two decades ago. Right. Now these countries are rolling back. And they're like, whoa, yep. whoa, whoa, this has been so bad for our youth, and we've seen lawsuits and all this yeah. these, these mental health issues in the adults. Right. We, we need to stop this. We're just running a few years behind that. Right. Well, Sweden's begun to backpedal some of its um, what they would call gender-affirming care with regards to um, uh, drugs used by youngsters to reverse or, or change their um, their systems. Um and Truman cited in a in a recent thing I listened to that uh, Sweden has a, historically has a very what we'll call gender affirming as strange as that term is um, society, but their suicide rate amongst the transgender community is the same as what it is in the United States. So uh, that maybe the gender affirming they're attempting to do in Sweden is is not um, achieving the end goal of which they originally had set out. Yeah, and I think this is you know that's going to be a conversation at the school board tonight is. Uh, obviously, how do we, as a school or community, react to some of these people that have they have strong personal challenges? They believe the solution is changing their gender, but you know, by and large, science doesn't bear out that doing that fixes their their mental concerns and the problems that they have. In fact, it often worsens them because then they're stuck in a body they thought would fix them and it doesn't fix them and then they become more depressed mm-hmm. or they want to reverse. So Yeah, and that and that's the authority of the, the 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 thing about expressive individualism is authority is found inside the individual as opposed to the authority being from the exterior saying, "Well, you're a youngster, so we appreciate what you're saying, but we you need parents and the church and, and potentially in certain situations the government to say, no, we, you can't do that to yourself. Um, now it's expressive individualism. I am the final authority and you will do, as I say, to reconstruct my body or do whatever it is to for, to, for me to live this out. And that, I think that's obviously in, in regards to children and uh, the medical field, that's very, very experimental. All right. Uh, we're out of time for today. Two final questions. First off, question of the day. I forgot to jump into that because I was very excited to touch on this topic. Question of the day today. Oh, I hope it's a British one. I oh. hope it's a British answer to the question of the okay, day. Right. What's your favorite dessert? Favorite dessert? Hmm. I don't think it is a British one. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Andy's frozen custard. <laughs> that's as, that's as un-British, British un-British as you could get. USA. Yeah. What, what the nor- and, and the north side, the one on North Glenstone. Oh, I'm is just it better gonna, than I'm, the one on I'm going to just, this is a public announcement. I don't know if people know this or not. All the other Andes in Springfield do not get, if you get like a concrete, okay, all the other Andes in town, they'll upcharge you if you ask for what we would consider on the north side a normal amount of, let's say, Oreo in your concrete. On the north side, they give it nice and thick and full, and they don't charge you extra. Not, 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 not that they're doing anything wrong. You don't even ask for more. You just say, I want, a, I want an Oreo concrete, and they give you it full of Oreo. All the other Andes do not do that. So people need to learn a lesson. Uh, the Whoa. Other people need to say. Not only are we promoting a restaurant, we're promoting, promoting a one location, particular brand within North the Glenstone restaurant. across from the Burger King. Oh, I've go. been there a variety of times. Well, that's yeah. my Andes of choice. So. <laughs> 
Uh, what is an example of a British dessert that's good? You know, a few weeks ago, I think we were discussing Turkish delights because I was like, okay. I don't know what those are. And I just okay. assume you know everything about Europe because you're, you're from England. Right. What's a good English dessert? Um, trifle is a popular one. That Trifle will have a custard in there and then some, some fruit sometimes and um, uh, like a, a white cake. And then sometimes people even put brandy or something like that in it. So huh. trifle is a popular one. T-R-I-F. Yeah, T R I. Yeah, I think I think that's correct. Um, to trifle with, yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's another like a classic English dessert. Is plum pudding is that that? I've I've never had that. Oh. Um, it's not apple pie. I'm trying to think. I can't think of a oh, trifle. Kind of a good dra- one. drawn a blank. You've been gone too long. That's I guess yeah. And I didn't I didn't know these questions, so I'm just I'm just <laughs> shooting from the hip, as they say. All right, uh, Bruce the theologian. Thanks so much for coming in today. As we do every time you're on the show, we would remind you. You need to get a an X page set up so, so we can so so. we can link to all of your theological uh, ideas and, and episodes. Yeah, I think so. Maybe maybe we'll eventually. Thanks for coming in again. We'll be right back. We'll answer the question today. And at five oh five, Steve McCoskey is going to come on in advance of tonight's school board meeting to give his thoughts on the impending vote. <laughs>